Hi, I'm Allison Shelton, writer and creator of the indie comic Reburn. You may have heard about us on Indie Comic Spotlight, thanks to Tony and Rhea. Reburn follows May, a superpowered woman who takes on the cult-like utopian society that ripped her life apart. Our comic picks up when she's ready to burn it all down. We're incredibly proud of our all-female team, myself, artist Elise McCall, editor Jessica Patel, colorist Hilary Jenkins, and letterer Joan McGill. Renowned comic writer and artist Kari Andrews said of Reburn, it's an impressive debut, a violent, visceral, and emotion-fueled spectacle. A story you need to read right now. We agree. And we have hard copies and digital copies of issues one through four available on our website, reburncomic.com. That's R-E-B-U-R-N comic.com. Check it out. Santa Claus right down Santa Claus Lane. He's got a bag that's filled with toys for boys and girls again. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Indie Comic Spotlight, the show where we do a deep dive into an ongoing series or graphic novel from a company other than the big two. We like the big two, but this show is not about them. This show is about those scrappy little somebodies who want to be bigger than they are. And so I'm here. So here's what happened. Here's the story today, folks. So it's we're recording this the last week of December of 2022. You're hearing this the first week of January of 2023. Happy New Year, everyone. So I send a, a message to my friend, the ever amazing, ever spectacular Spider Dan, and say, what do you want to do, man? Let's do something weird. And so Spider Dan comes at me with this link, and he's like, what about this? And I was like, I hadn't read it. He just sent me the name and the cover image, and I said, sold! So Spider Dan, hello, friend, and tell everybody what we're doing and how it is you heard of it. And then we've got a secret. We've got more secrets as the show unfolds. They're going to be revealed. Um, So I, well, the title is Santa Claus versus the Nazis. Amazing. And, And believe it or not, the person that sold me on this was the illustrator of V for Vendetta, David Lloyd, who uh, organizes runs at Aces Weekly, which is like an online uh, comics distributor. And that's the first thing he went, he was like, I was like, sell it to me, sell Aces Weekly to me. And he went, Santa Claus versus the Nazis. And just like you, Tony, I went, I'm in, I'm down. Show, yeah. <laughs> show me one image. And I was like, and then we chatted, obviously, about V for Vendetta and yeah. stuff. But that he was, he was already pitching. And that's the first thing he put pitched. And I was like, right, subscribe, read it. Got a digital copy myself on Comixology as well. And then years later, I met the writer, Ben Dixon, of the book. And, you know, we had a wonderful time at Malta Comic Con with loads of other great creators and stuff. And we all had a good laugh. We all had a good, we went out for a few meals and chatted about all the amazing stuff that they were creating at the time. And, and yeah, and I, I didn't actually realize until I went over to his table, I went, wait, this is you. I've, I've read your, I've read this, and I know this. Ah. Uh, so, so I was like, yeah, because I, I don't think we'd actually talked about his specific, that specific piece of work of his. Uh, but when I went over, I was like, oh, yes, amazing. Um, and I, I don't think we got a chance to interview him on the podcast because it was a bit of a crazy day. That Wasn't that the day. one you lost some stuff to? We did, yeah. yeah. We we are, we were having a few techno- technological issues as well, which didn't help. But uh, but yeah, and uh, and it was a, such a, a fun event as well. Um, but yeah, and that's that's basically how I how I came to know about this book. And uh, yeah, 
That's it. That's and now through the magic of the internet, we're writing the wrong, Dan, because while it's not on your yeah. feed, it's on mine. Ben Dixon is here. Ben, hello. 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 How you doing? Welcome to Indie Comic Spotlight. And just to do one better, Ben was like, oh, you didn't get to interview me. Well, take that. I will give you a Gavin Mitchell. Gavin's here as well, the artist of Santa Claus versus the Nazi. Gavin, hello. Hello. Look at that. What a great <laughs> surprise for me. Seriously, this went from getting to hang out with my friend Spider Dan to turning this into a Creator Corner episode of Indie Comic Spotlight. I love doing these episodes. They're so fun. Dan's done one with me before with uh, with James Aquilone. That was a lot of fun. We did his Shakespeare Unleashed. Um, these are just great shows. I love I love this. So here we are. Ben, the writer, Gavin, the artist. So we're going to he- we're going to talk about Santa Claus and Nazis. And by the way, everybody, we're going to not spoil a ton of this because we really want you to go get this book. But just to know, this is not one of those comics from like the 1960s where the cover image and the what happens inside are different. Santa Claus does, in fact, fight the Nazis. And that happens in this book. And so we're going to take you through that whole process. But before we get there, so I'll start with you, Ben. So every time somebody's new to the show, the first thing they tell is their comic book origin story. Because you don't, nobody goes into comics and it's like, yeah, that's just one day I'm going to wake up. What are these things? I don't know. I mean, I can see your bookshelf. So I'm well aware you've, you've read a comic or two in your day. So let's go back. Let's get in our time machine. And little Ben, what is, what is the first time? What's your first comic? How did you get there? And how did that turn into, I'm going to do that as a job? Um, well, I, uh, I grew up reading Eagle comic in the eighties. Um, and for American listeners, Eagle is kind of like a sister comic to 2000 AD. It's not really that well known outside of the UK. Uh, but it was more kind of broad action adventure stories rather than say science fiction. Um, so that was really my thing. And I grew up reading, um, like the writing of John Wagner and Alan Grant and Pat Mills primarily. I didn't actually know that until much later on, but they tended to write pretty much the entire thing. Um, uh, yeah. And, uh, I never really stopped reading comics basically. Um, so, you know, I gravitated onto 2000 AD and then later kind of moved into kind of vertigo and stuff like that. Um, and I was always drawing them. Um, and, you know, at some point it clicked that people were writing them as well. And I kind of, I always, I've always been writing stories and, you know, so there wasn't ever a moment where I just thought, oh, you know, it'd be nice. It'd be fun to write them. It was like, I was always writing them as a kid anyway. And I just kind of didn't really stop. That's amazing. Karen Berger, hallowed be thy name. She, of yeah. course, just <laughs> just took everybody from 2080. She's like, you know, it'd be really good if I brought, if I made Vertigo comics in America, but I just took Pat Mill's whole stable with me and was like, hey, we've got DC's giving me money to burn. Um, I, should, I should plug the, the movie Future Shock, the documentary ah, about 2080, is- because if you want to know the impact that British comics had on American comics, that really does explain it. And it's not just on American comics, but on, you know, the entire kind of uh, media landscape that exists today, like kind of came from there, really. That so is a that's great, the stuff I grew up reading. That's a that's a great documentary. And yeah, that does, yeah. that's very enlightening. Because again, over here, we didn't get that stuff until later. Like we, we got it in bits and pieces, um, you know, and so I came late to Dread and I came late to... Um, uh, you know, to really all of the 2000 AD stuff, just because we didn't get it. It wasn't here. So, um, yeah, you know, 
And then, of course, I think it was probably during the Vertigo Revolution that they were like, oh, by the way, you guys like these guys. Let's start reprinting their stuff over here. And again, Karen, I'm still sad that DC got rid of the Vertigo line. It's just DC dark black label now. I'm like, that's that's not what we're here to discuss. But anyway, that's awesome, Ben. I love that. Um, and then Gavin. So now he's set the table. Tell, and you're like, I'm just going to repeat everything. And my story is the exact same as Ben's. I'm actually just... No. What is your what is your comic proportion? Sorry. <laughs> is it the same? It's, it's pretty it's pretty similar, except uh, instead of Eagle, it was uh, the Beano and Dandy. That's where I I don't know if there's an American counterpart of Beano and Dandy, but kind of kids' comics. Um yeah, collected them. And then my uncle would every now and then pepper in like Marvel mostly Marvel comics. So I've got a bunch of old like seventies Marvel comics sitting around. And then I don't know. I've always drawn, which is what every artist says. They've always had a pencil in their hand. So it's just, it was kind of one day when I was uh, sort of pottering it around at university, kind of went, oh, I could draw comics. Do that as an actual career, like try and pursue it. So that's sort of, that was my definitive line in the sand. I'm going to try and do this as a, no longer a hobby, as a career. And uh, what a mistake that the, was. The naive fools we were. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> well, so you were drawing, so a lot of people, I'll, I, I know lots of British folks and the Comics Motion Network is founded by uh, folks in the UK. And so almost to a person, everyone has mentioned the Beano and the Dandy. Um, and so I've I've looked into them. I still, they were not, I you know, there's really not a great comparison over over here. I mean, we have our own version of Dennis the Menace, which you guys also have. It's not. Oh, yeah, they, they yeah, were yeah. they were actually launched more or less the same week, I think, and completely separate. They were they were. There is the classic classic case of two entirely separate creations that just happened to be called Dennis the Menace and were kind of very similar concept. What you what you will notice is though the British version is a lot more uh, anarchic uh, than the, yeah. than the American version yeah um, yeah but it's just it's just one of those things um crazy yeah yeah, yeah that's also, amazing also the beano the dandy are very specifically british there's really not anything even remotely like it anywhere in any other country i mean you i mean spiru in in the you in france possibly but really there's there's really not anything like it dan you you would back me up on this i'm sure yeah i think i think so i think it's yeah, I can't, I can't think of any like iconic characters that are like the Beano, like the Dandy, elsewhere. Yeah, I, yeah, not even not even in America, not not anywhere else. I think there's similar there's similar characters that have their own comic, but there's not like that anthology of great characters that you know have these tales, have these very different tales, but are still equally as entertaining. I think it is a truly original kind of British comic and has those British sensibilities as well and and plays with them as well uh on a in a fun and like I said an anarchic way which is great I mean that and again I think that's an awesome way like that's a good gateway drug to different kinds of comics because you're not just playing it it's not you know just a comic strip where it's just like this and there's nothing I mean I love comic strips and I plan one day to cover Rhea and I one of my a round table of co-hosts Rhea and I plan on doing Calvin and Hobbes one day on here. It's just such a big topic to cover. Cause it's like, what do you do for what was the greatest American comic strip? In my opinion, Calvin and Hobbes. It's like, well, how do we do that justice in an hour, an hour and a half other than just be like, and you don't want to sob uncontrollably that it's over. And I've read books and watched <laughs> documentaries on him. I mean, he's, 
you know, that's one of those things that, that is still good. You can still pick it up and it's, it's still amazing. So it's, mm. you know, I love that, that those things exist for you guys, because again, it is, it's, those were really subversive too. And so the being, knowing that the Bino and the dandy kind of had, and the, and your dentist, the menace, like there's a commentary there. It's not just thing because your comic, by the way, that'll be my segue, is super layered. I believe the message I sent, and we swear on this show, guys. So the uh, message I sent to, to Spider-Dan is that is layered as fuck. So we've got lots to discuss when we get into Santa Claus versus the Nazis, which is my kind of thing. I'm all for a thing being a thing. Like I love, you know, you can call it what it is. Text is great, but subtext is better. And so I'm super excited to, uh, to get into that. So that's cool. Thank you for sharing your comic book origin stories, guys. So um, let's talk about this comic book origin. So you guys are out writing other things. You, you're, It's not like you guys, this isn't the first rodeo for you guys. You've done other things separate to this. So how did this come about? Now, I've read, obviously, in the book, in the introduction, it's you know that's explained a little. But for people who haven't read it, tell everybody how this came to be, Ben, and then how you got Gavin to draw it. Because you do, you laid it out, or you did the design work and the letters yourself. So you obviously, as an artist yourself, you chose to bring an artist in instead of draw it. So I, I'd love to hear that that process. Um, well, my style wasn't really suited to the story, uh, if I'm honest. I mean, I do illustrate my own books as well. But uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of knew that it, my style wouldn't work. <laughs> Sorry, I'm re still recovering from a cold, so I'm coughing a bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, I uh, I had the idea for the story. Um, I remember one, I think it was one Christmas, I was watching a documentary. Um, I, mean, I, I watch lots of history documentaries and read lots of random stuff about history and, and all that. And this one was about um, the ordinary kind of home life of uh, uh, Germans uh, during the Second World War. And there was a little bit about Christmas and there was a, a propaganda film basically made from sort of around the middle of the war about uh, showing the kind of home life of a German family at Christmas. And it was a very kind of very stylistically filmed piece uh, with Christmas trees and, you know, kids kind of looking expectantly at presents and all that sort of stuff. And I just remember thinking... Oh, I wonder how Santa must have had a bit of a job getting getting through <laughs> to Germany in the middle of the war, <laughs> and that nice. that was the idea. It was that was that was it. It was like, hang on, if Santa Claus is real, uh, there are very serious implications for that, and it was really basically uh, how if if Santa yeah if Santa Claus is real, what are the implications like in terms of the war? Uh, and stuff like that so um so yeah so i just started thinking it through um and i happen to know that um uh that uh, uh germany uh, genuinely did uh, occupy finland or they they basically were invited into finland um uh during the second world war and they are uh, the part of the places they were stationed was uh, lapland now in the british um uh, Christmas kind of uh, British uh, Santa Claus uh, story. That's actually where Santa's uh, factory is. It's in Lapland, which is in the Arctic Circle. It's the kind of northern part of Finland. Um, and so I was like, oh, but they would have found the factory. Um, and so they were, you know, uh, wars are won by industry. So I was like, well, if they had, if they had the control of a magical factory that could deliver a, you know, could create enough presents for every child in the world. 
um you know they could create so many weapons that they would you know and then if they could deliver a, a like a present to every child in the world in a single night they could deliver bombs uh to every child in a single uh to every house in the world in a single night they would literally win the war overnight um so it's like that factory if it existed would be the only thing that mattered uh so that's the premise of the story and i had and i had so i had it all kind of worked out in that sense i did um a draft in which santa was kind of the central character and i came up against the um what i call kind of call the dr manhattan problem uh which is basically if you have a character that's all powerful who can just snip snap his fingers and end the story well you kind of got problems so the first draft kind of didn't work and so i moved the central characters to two of his helpers and that kind of made that made it work because then santa's like more of a I could make him more of a godlike character. Um, I've kind of gone off on the tangent about what the story, what the story is about. <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will get into Gavin's details. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, so it 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 kind of yeah it it started it came together, but I hadn't actually written the script. I don't think. I think I'd written like the first um, few pages or something, but I definitely kind of plotted the story out, um, and. I had an artist attached, but at uh, at Thought Bubble, which is uh, one of the major conventions in the UK, um, I was talking to the artist and he basically just decided it wasn't for him, um, which happens, you know, I mean, that's happened in almost every book I've done. Um, so he decided the book wasn't for him and I was like, okay, I need to find another artist. And um, I went to, um, my my friend uh, Boo Cook, who is uh, an illustrator for 2000 AD, and I think he's done Marvel and a, uh, a few other things as well. Elephant Men. <laughs> Sorry. Elephant Men. That's what Elephant Men. Yes. Elephant Men. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So he's he's done Elephant Man and stuff as well. Um, and um, I said to him, "Oh, I need an I need a, a an artist for this project." And I told him about the project, and I was like, "Do you know anyone?" And he said, "Actually, yes. I've just met someone." He's the perfect guy, uh, at which point I will hand over to Gavin to <laughs> continue the story. So Gavin's like, so I get a call from a guy who's like, do you want to draw Nazis? And I was like, am I being? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it was at that thought bubble. Um, oh, same place. Okay. When nice. was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it like 2000? And... Yeah, because yeah. this came out <laughs> in 12, right? The original <laughs> version was on Aces in 2012. So this had to be 2012. It probably would have been 2010 or sometime around then. I don't remember exactly. Lord. Yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, so this is identity. the podcast where guys talk around, talk about getting old. <laughs> it's depressing. Yeah. No. yeah go on with it, Gavin. I, I did. I did the um, at, at Thought Bubble. They had an open competition for 2000 AD, and they had put out pitch pages. Uh, basically, it was like a short four-page, five-page script. And so I drawn it up and entered the competition and I won, which I was Woo! ecstatic about and riding off the high off of that, I walked over to the 2000 AD table to collect my prize, which was 2000 AD books. And lo and behold, Ben was stood there. And I think Boo Cook introduced us then. I think yeah. it might have been. 
I can't remember, or I just remember you coming over and just being like, "Hi, I'm Ben." <laughs> I, I think Boudin introduced us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and then you you gave me the pitch, and I was like, "Okay, this sounds because it's it could have been really good. It could have been really awful. I because do, I don't know what Ben was like. I don't know what his writing style was like or whatever. And also, still quite new to the whole comics thing because that was my first big. I don't know." like entering a competition sort of thing but um yeah once i read the script i was like oh shit there's quite a lot of heart in this and there's lots of like cool action sequences and lots of lots of stuff to get my teeth into so i guess yeah. i must have written the script I got at that point then i'm pretty sure you had hmm. otherwise i would have been like nah you're all right no but you're totally you're totally right though because it, it and this is and so dan because this is how you and me and we both just saw the title room like yep i want to know because that's our sensibility to be like we are willing to give something with that title santa claus versus the nazis a look like a hard look and we're not going to be like whatever blow past that as as you said gavin well i'm not sure what this could be based <laughs> on the title but like for me as soon as I saw the title, I was like, okay, I'm going to read that no matter what. And it could end up being a big whiff because we've all read those things that are big, high concepts, but totally whiff. But this one doesn't. So Dan, I know it's been a while since your first mm. experience. So so now here this exists. It's come to you. You're reading it. Mm. You're getting pitched by Lloyd. And you're like, man, here I am. What was that? Well, because obviously I'm reading it when it's complete. Well, you were reading it as yeah. it was coming out, right? And so, so I think it it had come out, or it was in the process of coming out. I want to say it was like 2011 or 2012, maybe. So it was either on there, or it was coming out, or it was in the process of coming out. I can't remember exactly, but uh, but again, the you know I'm a big B movie fan, exploitation movies, you know all that sort of stuff. I'm you know that title is what sells me and a lot of the a lot of the comics nowadays they have to grab me with the title or at least you know the front page because I mean that, that's I mean that's I guess that's always how you sold comics anyway but I I was in like I said I was in uh, I read it and again going in I'm going to give it a chance because it's got a great title a good premise and you know as long as it follows up on the premise which it does but like you said it does have a lot of layers it's got a lot of you know, historical accuracy as well, which I really appreciated. My my granddad uh, used to sell Militaria, so I know a lot about the war and you know, lots of facts and figures, and he'd go on and on and on and on about stuff. Uh, so I appreciated that, and I appreciated the the different aspects of the culture being brought into it as well. Like, like Peter's in there, who is, you know, a somewhat, a somewhat controversial figure in, in some circles, but it is a part of, of history and the culture around Santa. Um, His controversial uh, nature is why I wanted to put him in. Ah. I mean, that, that was a big part of it. Sorry, carry on Dan. No, no, that's good. No, go with, go with that. I want to hear that story. Well, this is, well, this is, well, this is it. This is what I love about it. And so, yeah, let's let's go there. Because to me, and I think you said, Gavin, it had heart. And mm-hmm. it punches you. I mean, that is the most obvious. That's the thing that gets you in the first read. And I've read this several times since Dan, Dan said you should read this. So I just keep going back to it and being like, oh, there's more stuff. Um, it does have a huge heart. And as you said, it's pretty controversial. So, so everybody, and we're not going to give too much away, but suffice to say, uh, Peter, well... I, Ben, I'll let you tell it. I'll let you tell because I don't want you give away as much as you want to give away. But I <laughs> thought the inclusion of Peter, uh, that was the moment when I realized, oh, these guys are not fucking around. Mm. They, they are 
asking really big questions with this comic. And I think art is supposed to do several things. You're supposed to be entertained. You're supposed to have a great time. You're a beautiful artist, Devin. It's just amazing artwork. But it is heartfelt. And the look, I mean, the way that Peter's facial expressions are and the angst, and it's all there, you know, so it's beautifully done. So I'm I'm already brought in. I'm emotionally drawn in. I'm having a good time. But then you're making me leave and I got to go sit and think about this book for weeks and days and everything afterwards. So all of that's there, which makes this a brilliant book. So the choice of of Peter, tell everybody who Peter is, Ben, and, and then we'll hear Gavin what you thought when you first had to draw him and how you well, yeah, chose Pete, to approach that. Peter, Peter does need a bit of explaining. Um, I mean, you can read the book without mm. knowing who he is, of course, but... Uh, so, so Peter is um, a character that is, you know, because because the 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 law of um, Santa Claus differs from country to country, and um, in Sweden and I think possibly in the Netherlands as well, I, um, but I don't know about the, the rest of Scandinavia, but um, certainly in Sweden, uh, Peter is uh, basically known as uh, yeah Black Peter. He and he is a, a, a black boy um, who. Um, is kind of associated. He actually does the the naughty list, um, and he is a, a, a kind of figure that um, I think before Christmas Day, I don't remember exactly what day, but he basically um, parades through the streets and gives um, sweets out to children. Um, and in Sweden, traditionally, that would be a guy blacked up, uh, and um, so you know this. <sighs> it's 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 a tradition that's gone on for a very long time um and naturally in this day and age that raises a lot of questions so basically there are people who will basically say that it's a racist character it's a racist caricature there are others who will say it's traditional and you know you'll have this back and forth and my take on this was basically well there's actually nothing wrong with santa claus having a black helper why didn't you just not make him a racial stereotype? <laughs> what a concept! That. Wow, I know it wasn't that big a concept, really. <laughs> um, so, so the um, the history of the character originally, uh, I, I understand, and I could be wrong about this, but my I understand is that he was originally Santa's slave. Oof. Later on, he became a boy that Santa rescued from slavery. Now, that's the version I went with in the story, obviously. Um, but when, once you introduce that, then you open up a whole, whole can of worms um, because you think, OK, Santa freed a boy from slavery. How many boys were there in slavery? Why this one? Why did he do that and not more? If he's got this incredible magical ability, why has he not actually done more to to um, to affect change in the world and the book does kind of answer that and it's it's implied quite strongly quite early on so i don't think it's much of a spoiler but basically santa is afraid of his own power he's basically afraid of what happens a when he gets angry and b what he does when he interferes because he's so powerful he he realizes it's it's you know one step two steps three steps and suddenly he's a godlike dictator um so uh, freeing Peter from slavery was an act of mercy, but he also carries a sense of guilt around about it because he did it once. Why didn't he do it the rest of the time? So he's very conflicted about the whole concept. Um, 
And it just, I, I, I find the concept really interesting that you've got this godlike character who is basically afraid of his own power and afraid of, you know, he's, he's the, he limits himself to um, giving presents to children once a year in the hope that it encourages them to be good. And that is the extent of his influence on the world. And he refuses to take any other steps. That's so good. Oh my God, I've got so much to say. I've got, I just love it. I mean, it's just, again, so Gavin, you've got to draw all of that. You've got to draw all of that emotional punch that, that Ben just explained. And you do, you capture it really well. Um, you really put a lot on Peter. I mean, yes, yeah, Santa's, Santa's wrought with emotion, but he's Santa. You know what I mean? So you're like, okay, we know who he is. So you get Reggie, who's angry all the time. And that again is, you know, easy to, but then you've got this, this kid who's also walking around with the guilt. So how did you uh, approach him? Like how, how, when you design, I mean, in the back of the book that I have, by the way, I see your sketches. So I see your, your process, but let's talk a little bit about it. Um, well, I think, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, he's a kid. So it's, I'm drawing a kid, basically. Um, I try not to put any too much of the, sort of cultural baggage of black peter onto it or anything like that and obviously when reading the script because i'd visited um amsterdam around christmas time a few years before and they have black peter but the really really bad version <sighs> with the uh mm. with the black face um so i was relieved that there wasn't any that sort of thing in the script asking me to to do blackface but um no yeah he's 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 still just a kid um and I think he's trying to grapple with understanding Santa as well. Like he doesn't, he's not aware of his power and stuff like that. So there's a lot of curiosity. And like I said before, he's, it's almost like he's the, he's the emotional heart of the story. So I think it was really important to try and capture a lot of his, um, a lot of his facial expressions and emotion and stuff and sort of his journey as well of becoming a stronger person. Or yeah. It's his hero's journey. Even, right. Yeah. It's, yeah. Right. Cause Santa's already the hero. And so by making it Peter's hero's journey, you you do, and you see, it's even, I, what I noticed, and I don't know if you picked up on some of this, Dan, too, but what I loved is that the way, again, the, the visual representation of Peter early on and Peter at the end, and we see his growth, obviously, in the story, it unfolds, we're not going to give too much away. Um, and again, it's, it's a 12-year-old comic, everybody, or 10-year-old comic, you could go find it, but you probably haven't read it. <laughs> So we're not going to tell you everything, but, but I loved the, just the visual representation of Peter at the end, as opposed to the beginning was something I picked up on in the first read. What did you make of, of that? Let's just lavish them with praise, Dan, tell them, tell Gavin how awesome he is right now, right to his yeah. face. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll, <laughs> it's a, <laughs> I think it's, it's a beautiful journey. It's a really heartfelt uh, script and, and every, it, it's almost like, I mean, it is a comic book, but I, I almost feel like it's, you know the way it's lenticular and the way it's yeah. designed, um, it, and the and the artwork of Gavin it gives that this this really old fairy tale feel, like a children's book. Obviously, it has things that may not be suitable for children in it, like exploding Nazis. But uh, well, and, yeah, know, I don't know. I mean, that's a and, great and way maybe, to go. Yeah, everybody needs yeah. to know the Nazis are exploded at the yeah. end. I mean, it's I mean, a very healthy uh, thing for kids to read. Yeah, of course. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, you know, parent your own way. I'm not going to tell right. you how to parent, but if you want to <laughs> you know, show them that, sure. If you think they can handle it. Um, but 
I I I agree with Tony. I like I like the idea of of Santa's neutrality because that reflects a lot of the what was going on in the world in World War II. There were certain countries that would stay neutral. Um, I, I like again just I, I actually quite enjoyed the kind of the book ending with with Churchill as well, and the and the kind of it again. It's not spoiling the story, but the beginning of the story, you know, midway through the war, Churchill goes. We need your help, you know. Uh, you know, it's getting really bad. The war. Have you heard about this? And he's like, "Yeah, but I can't be involved. There's been many wars before. I can't. I can't do this. So it's not. I have to maintain my neutrality." Uh, and it's quite a powerful thing to have somebody that powerful feel so powerless as well. And I think, it, like you were talking about the Doctor Manhattan stuff, and and again, exploding Nazis and all um it's it's that that whole superman question if you know if you were so good why don't you save everybody and you know why aren't you doing more with your power and obviously that would just cause absolute chaos as we've seen with every evil superman story there's ever been and and yeah but i i think i think ben was right to shift the focus from santa because you you're not going to change santa santa's not going to grow over the story but reggie and also Peter will like Reggie softens and Peter hardens, and and again it's all for the the kind of greater good of the story, and and we get that big finale, that huge oh. finale with you know guns going off, reindeer, skyships. Oh my god! Know, Amazing. Just builds builds to a wonderful crescendo. It's so crescendo. good, you guys. It it's so amazing. It is. It is so uplifting. And as a guy who doesn't care for Christmas at all, I have to say, like, I'm not a Christmas guy. We didn't put up a tree. We don't celebrate it. And like, once my kids grew up, my wife and I were empty nesters. So like, we don't do anything like Christmas Day. We took a nap and watched a movie like that's Christmas. Merry Christmas. We didn't do so. But because because there's a layer of bullshit that comes with Christmas. And so what I love is you guys address the bullshit, but then you give us all that stuff that Dan's talking about. It's like so uplifting still at the end. Like, you know, the fact that you make Ru- you, you Rudolph, you make Rudolph canon, you know, and, and she, and you make her a she and Rudolph is there. And, ah, it's so good in the connection between Peter and Rudolph. It's like, you can take all the Christmas shit away because it's just this uplifting story of fighting Nazis. And it's proof positive. If you need a bad guy, Give, give us a Nazi and we're always going to be on your side. You made me, somebody who does not care for Christmas, love Christmas because, yay, yay Christmas <laughs> beats Nazis all day long. Um, well, there, there's um, one thing I would say about Rudolph because you just mentioned like I made her fe- female. Yeah. I think Rudolph was always female. Yeah? Um, there's, uh, there's I, I kind of, when I was writing it, I was like, it just suddenly occurred to me that I didn't know what gender Rudolph was. Um, and so I actually kind of did a bit of research and no one could definitively tell me uh and but what i did find out is that in december male reindeer lose their antlers oh. and therefore rudolph has to be female if rudolph has antlers at that time of year wow and um and so yes as far as i can i'm concerned rudolph is and always has been female um and also by the way it does it also means the book passes the bechdel test Ah. <laughs> nice <laughs> that's amazing that's awesome that's so, what was there your go, what was tick. yeah another tick what, what was your process of drawing like did you just go hang out with reindeer gavin like how did you because they look pretty real we have a lot of reindeer uh, here in the uk yeah yeah just, i mean they're running down the streets all right. the time um 
You just have to try and catch one. Yeah. No, Google's my friend, I'm afraid. Sure. Like lots of lots of <laughs> like Christmas reindeers, lots of different yeah. types of reindeers. Yeah. Yeah. Just trying to I think the I think it was trying to find a particular horn shape mm. or antler shape. So mm. then it's like, well that's that's how you know this one's definitely uh Rudolph apart from the red nose um but you cover up the red yeah, nose for a just, while so it's like that was a really clever you know that was a that was a, I just it's so smart stealth stealth rudolph yeah yeah, yeah. wartime tactics <laughs> black well, ops rudolph you know what the thing is though you guys this is important to me and i'm glad you said you mentioned the research so this is something spider dan and i have discussed before um and as a person who who is a writer and who loves to read the thing, I will believe whatever your story is. Give me whatever. I don't care. So I just watched a movie not that long ago. That was fine. It was a horror movie. The premise was crazy. And I'm not going to say the name of the movie because I'm not here to shit on somebody else's art. However, the thing that pissed me off is in the movie, there's a scene in the movie where the main character is sitting in a car and somebody comes up and knocks on the window and she rolls the window down, right? Electric window. You hear it go down. And then Three minutes later, she has to start the car to drive away. I'm like, fucking no, 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 no. The window wouldn't go down because the keys aren't in the ignition. The car, it's an electric thing. So it's like, it, and I know, but I'm like, believe in all your fantasy hoodoo stuff. But then you you made the windows go down. That's not magic. That's You're trying to make this set in the real world. So you guys, so all of that to say, this book is so centered. The fact that you give us Churchill, the fact that you put it in a real place. So how how important was that to you? And were there any things in the process, like when you were handing it back and forth, Ben, you've given Gavin the script and Gavin's drawing something, or Gavin, you're reading the script and you're researching. I'm like, well, that isn't as historically as accurate as it could be. Keep in mind, everybody, there's elves and Santa Claus in this, but you guys really rooted it in a real place, which which allowed, I think, the audience to buy in. So what was your, and I know, Ben, you've already said, you're you're like an amateur historian. So were there things that you, like you said, you did all that research to know that Rudolph had to be female. So that's genius. What were some other things that you guys came up with in your process to make it, this fantasy story, you know, connect to readers in that way? uh oh good question uh gavin do you want to pick up on that google gavin's like google <laughs> no, man you first, you're the writer. Yeah. Me first. Oh, damn you. all right um I mean, yeah a lot of it is know, yeah, I, mean, I mean i think you you put in link did you put links into stuff like you were very specific about certain things that hmm. um like the wolf's den uh where the nazis oh, had their wolf's lair sorry yeah um but yeah yeah so things like that being very specific about certain places it's like oh yeah. i can I've got something to Google, uh, yeah. <laughs> or, or like try and research. Yeah, so that made it that made my job a lot easier. Is um, him, Ben, doing his diligence with the research. Was there I any images that he sent you, Ben, that you were like, "Nope, I want you to." That doesn't look real enough, or were you like, "Oh my god, that looks just amazing"? No, not really. I mean, um, I I don't think I ever asked Gavin to redraw anything. Um, I think I do remember specifically um, he shows a character saluting and I, and I remember saying to him, that's a naval salute, not an army salute. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Like, yeah, yeah. Do you remember get that? It, get it right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it right. do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's little things like that. Um, but no, I mean, I, I can be a massive peasant about this sort of stuff sometimes. Um, mm. But yeah, um, I think um there, there were little, you know, touches about like, you know, what you might find in, um, uh, like, for example, I think in the script, I said, I, 
I put um, that there had to be two stockings by the fire and what their names were on the front, which I don't think went actually went into the book in the end. But it's things like, you know, Churchill's children and, you know, stuff like that. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, like the name of the um, the Nazi um, unit that was actually stationed in Lapland is is the real name of the real one. Um, although the officer in question was definitely not called uh, General Hunthausen. Uh, <laughs> so, fair. <laughs> Which means what yeah. in German, Ben? Officer what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it just amused me. <laughs> but there's I loads of stupid shit like that in there. There's, there's basically, I took the whole thing very, very... Like, I, I came up... I tried to take this idea as seriously as possible, but then came up with continually came up with outrageously stupid stuff and the more it made me laugh the more mm. i thought oh i can't do that i was like no it's going in basically yeah but um, you even you have the because you told the story about black peter but you have the not in german you write you call him that in german and um and so i think that's really smart too you're like oh i'm gonna make the bad guys say the bad thing and the good mm -hmm. guys aren't gonna say the bad thing and i think that was that's always good like one of my all-time favorite movies sorry dan is heathers uh, he's i talk about this movie all the time he's probably tired of hearing it but in that movie the villains do the bad stuff like you know who the bad guys are because they do bad shit like you're not even like you're like oh i wonder if i could be on his side no he's a monster it's right there you can see it like it's it so you give us that like i just appreciate that you you know i mean they're nazis so we shouldn't be sympathizing with them but you're really making sure we know and i just think it's it's really well done I think I think uh, Hitler's uh, a really interesting one as well because I think you can either play it like downfall, or mm. you can do it like the producers. And I think sometimes, you know, you can go too far one way or too far the other way. And I think you guys just land that character right in the middle where you need it to be, where you can make fun of him a little bit, and but also he is a threat. He is a he is the villain. He is an evil evil man. And I think you balance that just perfectly. Like, I love the moment where he's torturing Santa uh, and like, like is it waterboarding him or whatever he's doing? And, and he's like, I can't believe I've not had a present. I've been on the naughty list since I was five years old. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I was like, yes, you would have been on there for a very long time. Um, I, I have to admit, I after I finished the book, I did have a slight pan of guilt, pang of guilt about writing Hitler in this way um because um I think I think it's fine I mean and, you know obviously you know you make fun of and all that kind of stuff sure. but um there, there's a point where it's maybe problematic I don't I don't know if this book is problematic or not I think but I don't think it is but um when I, I I've actually written a, a book since which is um entirely historical um about uh, Neville Chamberlain and the origin of the Second World War, which features the real Hitler, as in the actual character, like the you know as real a depiction mm -hmm. as I could possibly do. Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting to to see the two versions because they are radically different. Because this one's basically a ranting lunatic uh, that we've got in this. I feel like <laughs> um, I I mean. Well, I want it before I before I say that. I just want to say t I agree with that. So, Gavin, when you saw his take on Hitler, were you nervous? Like, oh, fuck, I got to draw Hitler. And then when you saw what he, the Hitler was going to do, you're like, OK, shoo. Oh, yeah, it was like, well, I, it's it's there's a. Um, there's a cathartic payoff for having to draw him so many times. 
Um, so I wasn't too bothered. And also like, like Dan was saying, uh, the finding the balance between like cartoonish, but also threatening, which I tried to, so like, he'll be a bit more, yeah, cartoonish looking rather than like straight up referencing like downfall kind of type. I have, yeah, I have I to say this, this wouldn't be half the book it is without Gavin's artwork. I mean, he absolutely nails it. It would just be text, uh, wouldn't it? It would just be, yes, it would. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, honestly, try and pay him a compliment and see what he does. Well, you know, compliments are hard for some people, I get it. I think it's, but it's funny. And again, your guys, yours came out first, not before the book Caging Skies, but before Taika made Jojo Rabbit. I couldn't help think, Mm. or did Taika read this? Because it, the way you capture the way that Taika plays Hitler in Jojo Rabbit. Is not necessarily the way Hitler comes across in that book, um, which is totally different. I'm like, I don't know how he read that book and was like, I'm going to make this movie at, at, at having, you know, experienced both. But when I saw your version of Hitler, I thought, oh, does Taika Waititi owe you guys some money a little bit? I don't know. What did you guys think? My when you saw Jojo Rabbit, where you were like, hey, pal. Well, I, I think for the benefit of Taika's lawyers, um, I, should, <laughs> um, I, I suspect we both took inspiration from the same place, which is Warner Brothers cartoons in the, of the 1940s. Sure. Because mm-hmm. so you're saying everybody owes money. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Speaking yeah. of uh, speaking of legal action, uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> <What> a segue. <laughs> wow. Um, I wanted to ask. There's a there's a very specific design of these uh, dreadnoughts. I think they're called in the book, and they're you know they're a, a crimson color and they're shaped like a cranium, a cranium. So like a crimson cranium. Was this based on a particular? Um, comic book villain who is also a Nazi by any chance? Can I answer, Ben? Yeah, please. no, no, because oh. I didn't know. <laughs> but that's a good. That's a good. I didn't even didn't even realize. Oh my god! Mm. Retroactively, yes, but while drawing and making the comic, no, because um, we handed the colors off because we had uh, Miroslav Merva mm. doing the colors for the first half, and then Owen Watts colored the second half and i don't think it was specified what color they were were they ben i don't think it was i, I can't remember and then yeah, he just sent us the pages back and they were like red and it's like okay yeah that makes sense or like yeah. sort of coppery red it was like yeah mm. okay so That's so fair. it's just kind of one of those things where it's like mm. kismet in the yeah. zeitgeist it works no one can no one can sue you for the crimson cranium <laughs> No, <laughs> I love that. That's the that crimson cranium. I have to say, favorite image. I mean, there's so many beautiful images in here. But and again, as a non-Christmas guy, on my version, uh, which is uh, page 87, I'm just going to hold it up for you guys because I would like to talk a little bit about the Santa oh, I am yep. needed page. Um, so there's a page which is very Doctor Manhattan, very Superman, beautifully done. And because it's Santa, so you're still giving him his Santa heft, but he's in the, and of course, I'm, we're going to need to talk about Santa as Christ at some point in time. If you guys want, that's the big, that's my big question at the end. And if you want to dodge it, that's fine. But this is the moment for me. And I was like, because up to this point, you're also having the conversation. You guys have talked about it, about, you know, 
Santa at, you know, if, if you're a magical being, if you're a godlike being, why don't you intervene? And, you know, and then, you know, I was born and raised Catholic. I work for Catholic nuns still. I work at a Catholic institution. I'm not shitting on Catholicism. I think it's fine for people who believe that that's great. But the conversation for me and my problem with it always was that, was the Jesus as superhero problem. It's like, wait, Jesus is ripped like a superhero. He's in all the versions of the story I hear, all the Catholic Jesus is always like, you know, ready for the fight club and he's awesome and he's saving everybody. Why is bad shit happening? And so then you've, you've given us the Superman Christ-like pose, you know, but he's still round like, like Santa, which I love by the way, he's not, he didn't come (laughs) out ripped, but anyway, in that moment, that was the moment when I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about the Jesus stuff. And then I get to that page and I'm like, Oh, 100% have to talk about the Jesus stuff. So this is me asking about Jesus stuff, guys talk about it or don't. If you're like, we're done. Um, I open the floor to all three of you to to have this conversation if you'd like. Um, <laughs> never really went there, if I'm honest. Wow, amazing. Okay, <laughs> that, that was never really on my mind. Wow. Okay, that's awesome. I mean that that page specifically. Um, it did say in the script, Doctor Manhattan pose. Yeah, perfect. So that's where we were approaching with yeah. that. It was like, well, make everything swirl around, like when he like sort of reconstitutes yeah. himself in the lab. Yeah. Yeah, but make sure he's still got his Santa belly. I love, though, that because he is a magical being, though, he still has a Santa belly. It's like he could totally have a six-pack, right? He could be ripped like Green Lantern. He is essentially Green Lantern powers in this. But he doesn't. He doesn't choose well, to use Wouldn't that. look very jolly, though, would he? He would not look very, yeah. very jolly. He needs to have a, a little heft. you got to think of all jolly. those cookies and... <laughs> <laughs> you got to think of all those cookies and milk yeah. that he's... Right, plus he's uh, got to stay warm visit, up there, so. up in the Arctic mm. Circle. Yeah, what about Dan? Am, am I crazy? Is this one of those Farina's reaching moments? Uh, I mean, I mean, there's, there's, I guess there is always that, you know, Christmas is a, a Christ mass. You know, it's a it's a, a holiday about Christ. and But obviously some people are like, well, it's too commercial and Santa's made it commercial and Coke and all that. But um, no, I, I I think I'm the same. I, I don't think I saw that mm. um, that parallel with this. But who knows? Maybe when you know during Easter, Jesus rolled that stone away and then you know walked it's, the earth and eventually became invalid, Santa. It's not an invalid parallel, to yeah. be honest. Mm. Um, no, I mean, you know, we've this is part part of um, Santa's story arc in this because um, you know Sa- Santa basically yeah is kind of re-emerging so to speak at that at that moment um so you know he's he's having a rebirth of sorts if you like so yeah i mean there's you know yeah you can you can draw that parallel if you like that's fine we subconsciously <laughs> ripped off yeah. jesus story well but is i don't <laughs> well i don't but again it's the reason i bring it up is because like as dan said i mean obviously the two things are connected it's hard not to do it but of course because you know uh, Mark Russell's doing the Second Coming series right now, where you know, like Jesus literally is a superhero, and that he hangs out with Sunstar, and it's brilliant. I don't know if you guys have read it. It's with the Hoy comics. It's really just like it's not even. It's just text. It's like Jesus gets sent to Earth by by his dad God to live with Sunstar, who is that that Earth version of Superman because Jesus doesn't know how to be tough, and God, old school Jewish God, is mad that Jesus is a hippie and he sends him to Earth, and it's a real comic book and it's brilliant. It is really, really funny. So like it, it, it's, it's one of those things that's just always there. And again, because what I look at this, what you guys were doing is you're having that conversation. And I think 
where you guys did way better than they did with that Chloe did with Eternals answering the question like if you guys are these godlike beings hanging out during all this shit that's been going down where were you and they're like oh they told us to stand down you're like bullshit that's a terrible excuse like that made no sense in that movie that was the biggest plot hole in Eternals but you guys are like no 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 we're just going to write around it we're going to have him grapple with something so again mm. it would it does make the commentary mm. on Whatever your faith is, your God stands down for the reason that is told in Santa Claus versus the Nazis. I think you handled it so beautifully well, and it answered questions that I don't think any religious leaders have had the courage to say it in the way that you said it. It's like, it would be chaos. That's the answer. Are you telling the religious leaders to come to me for advice? I am. I'm <laughs> saying come to Ben Dixon and and have Gavin draw your Jesuses a little bit. I'm not, you know, I'm not touching that. I'm not Jesus. touching that. Okay, it's bar, fine. Bar, <laughs> no, no. Come on, Ben. You're a good enough writer. You can do yeah. it. <laughs> I'm not saying. No, I'm just saying like, and it, and I think what it is too is because when you when you're a kid or you're an adult or whatever, and you're questioning the religious leader, the, the humans, the the people who are the the spokespeople for the religion. They didn't write the book. They're not the God. They're not the deity. You put the words in the deity's mouth. Like you, you actually have that. You had to have, as a storyteller, you had to sit down and have that conversation with him in your head and be like, well, what would he say? Why would he stand down? What would be the reason? Whereas, you know, if you're asked, if you're 12, and you're asking your priest this question, they just don't want to talk about it. <laughs> like, I don't, that's not, we don't have time for that. Where you're like, I'm telling a story. So I have all the time I need to tell. So I just think it was really smart. And again, I'm not, I don't think you guys were saying disparaging things about any religions. I think you were yeah. commenting on, on, it's an answer. Honestly, honestly, if someone were to say to me, like, why wouldn't the gods intervene or whatever your faith is, this is why. Ben Dixon has told us why. So I just was really impressed by how thorough you were trying to address that, you know, as you called it, the Dr. Manhattan problem. Um, this is great. I just, I'm so glad that Dan turned me on to this book. And and uh, I got to say that to your guys' face, what a beautiful book it is. And um, it ends with the tease. So what's up? Santa uh. will return. <laughs> well, uh, we, we kind of, I mean, the story is finished. Uh, but we thought it would be fun to kind of do a James Bond-esque tease at the end to leave the option open for doing a sequel if if we fancied it. Um, I mean, we've got a couple of ideas, but to be honest, we're, we're both on other stuff now. So I think it's unlikely we will do a sequel. Uh, but the door is open. So who knows? Never say never. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wait. Nice Bond. Well done. Well done, Dan. That was nice. We're going to tie it back to Bond. That was, that was excellent. Um, okay. Sorry. I just... I couldn't help you, think of it about the, the religion stuff, so I needed to ask. We don't want to end did, on did you, I feel like I need to reread it now because I'm going to pick up on stuff. On it now. <laughs> so, many, so many levels, so many yeah. levels. You, I know. That you were already unaware of after having created it. <laughs> yeah. It's a life of its own. But isn't that what art is, right? You give it us, you give it to us, and it's up to us to, to take and from separate. it what we will. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's half yeah. the excitement is seeing what other people get out of it and... Mm. Hopefully enjoy it as I, well. I loved it. I just can't. I can't tell you guys how much I, I'm. I'm so impressed. Um, I've, I've got another question as well. Yeah. I I, um, I love the inclusion of um, you know. Sadly, we've lost her very recently, but you know Elizabeth Windsor as part of the team and part of the group and part and the and uh, you know a very important part of the story as well. Later on in in the book, 
Um, I loved her inclusion and Winston's like, we can't lose your line. And she talks about her father and the stammer and everything. And I thought, thought that was really cool. Um, there's there's a, one, another soldier in as well in it. Uh, and she calls Fleming. Is that Ian Fleming? Um, well, I mean, for legal reasons, no. No, of course not. <laughs> of course not. It's, it's... But I mean, I, I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, there are there are a number of um, there are a number of cameos in the book. Mm. Uh, that is that is one of them. They're just kind of walk ons, basically. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, um, Fleming, I think, did actually fight in the war. Um, but uh, the yeah, there were a number of um, that. Yeah, there, there are at least two more cameos mm. uh, yeah. of uh, mm. war heroes who were basically have walk-ons in the book um so yeah spot them <laughs> if you can um, and i stuck yeah. in a couple of old um sort of wartime comedians as well in there that's that's just gotta Which be so fun and nose <laughs> oh ben's like i need to read it again too yeah i'm not sure who you're referring to Oh, that's awesome, Dan. I think that's 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 a great observation too. Yeah, I just... It's not it's not um yeah, not Ian Fleming, but Meme and Schmeling. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. uh it's Fleeing Fleming. Le you know. Liam Fleming. <laughs> Fleming. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <clears throat> yeah. Fleming. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Flem, Flem. Uh, yeah. I just realized as well you you freeze your Nazi punching hero in a block of ice as well. Um, yes, that again there are there are a number of kind of cultural references in there. So yeah, that's a fairly obvious Star Wars yeah. uh, reference mm. going on there. Or uh, or to a or to another character, uh, Sergeant States. I, I'm going to call him uh, Sergeant States, uh, United States. I think. <laughs> but he's Sergeant instead. That's the legal. That's yeah, the yeah. legal name we can use. I yeah. Think. Um, he yeah, fights the Crimson. What did yeah, you call the, him? yeah, the Crimson Cranium. Crimson Cranium. Crimson Cranium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Crimson Cranium. No, yeah, no, yeah. No, no, no copyright issues here. None at all. No, no. I really did think you mentioned early on too, Gavin, the the action, the like set pieces that he gives you to play with. Like you get to draw a dog fight mm. and all that. That was really great too. Um, it felt dangerous. It felt real. Like it, you know, it's, it wasn't like a. Again, it's a comic book, so of course. But it, it didn't feel like a comic book or movie version of a dogfight where you're like, well, we know who's going to make it out. Like it, like the stakes were high when you were doing the dogfight stuff. Um, again, just Google Google dogfights or how did you how what was that? I mean, obviously, you've not fought in one unless you are unless you're really the secret agent. Um, what was that like when you were giving us those those that I just think those pages are beautiful. Just firstly, I'm far too lazy to be a secret agent. So I wouldn't have time. Um, but Just no, for um, war films. Agent to say. <laughs> Damn it, Ben. Sorry, Gavin. No, lots, lots, lots of lots of lots of reference. Again, yeah, it's quite it's a boring amazing. job as an illustrator. You you just sit on the behind the computer and just kind of go right and find a good keyword. But oh. um, I think what helps give heft and weight to some of those things is adding a nice little bit of not gore, but almost depicting the violence of like what can happen what's mm. you know you should I should I show people getting shot and you see like blood and stuff so it's not like even though it feels like a kiddie's book it's not a kiddie's book because it tries mm. to give you a little bit of um just a, a yeah. souchon of ultra violence well and, and just before the dog fight <laughs> just to make sure we knew what was coming again one of my favorite panels Mm. is the sled with the fucking Gatling gun off the back. I yeah. mean, come on. If you don't know what's about, shit's about to get real. This is not a kiddies book, everybody. Here is Santa's sleigh. 
pulled my reindeer with a machine gun pointed off the rear. It's amazing. Mm. What a uh, and that, the montage. And that's the... Go on, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say the montage scene before that page, I think, whilst they're prepping everything yeah. is almost, I've tried to make it shot for shot uh, the same as Army of Darkness when they're preparing for the for the Deadites. So you've even got the so hand, like you, the groovy hand. Yeah, because that's, yeah, that's yeah. supposed to be like a Bruce, Bruce Campbell elf. <laughs> <laughs> groovy. And then, well, I was going to say, like, obviously, you know, there's some, like we were talking about, there's some ludicrous and weird and wacky ideas and and you know these elves gearing up could be hilarious, could be funny, but but the way that Gavin draws it and presents it, and the way the writing is mirrored with that, you you're like you, instead of like laughing like all these elves are gearing up and they're flying you know into this battle with Nazis, you think fuck yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's go. Mm. You're all you're all pumped up. You're ready. You're like yeah, these these elves are going to kick some ass. These tiny little dudes, they're going to kick some serious ass, and they do. And they get in there and they do do their job and they do everything. Reggie's leading the way, um, and and I love that. And I I think I think um, Gavin's really good at these kind of smaller moments as well. Like these, yeah, they've got these grand moments, but just these real emotional moments, like when Peter's crying in the barracks and Reggie's, you know, saying trying to convince him to kind of you know effectively i'll use the term quote unquote man up let's say um mm, or just mm. kind of gives him the impetus to carry on and to fight um like i think i think you know he's streaming peter's eyes streaming with tears and reggie's there and it's a really nice moment as well like, i i really enjoyed some of the softer moments reading it this time round because i remember the kind of the big splashier moments um but yeah reading reading those and those little that interaction between those two is it's really quite gorgeous that bit in the book it's one of my favorite moments in fact i think i think that was like one of my favorite moments to draw as well like i i, I just really like talking heads which is may sound boring for other illustrators but i just loved being able to try and uh, illustrate and kind of convey emotion just by micro expressions like the sort of twist of an eyebrow or something like that so yeah that was a great opportunity to be able to try and sort of flex those yeah uh, yeah so one thank, of my... thanks ben <laughs> that must have been a lot of fun to write i mean fun i say fun because it is emotionally punchy but like when you're writing the script then it must have been really enjoyable because you you do get to switch tones as dan, as dan was saying you it goes from you know these weird and wacky there's a scene where that like there's a flying a rocking horse with a bomb between its legs and you're writing that but then you're also giving us these like so, the the pacing. What I think you do an amazing job of is that pacing of when to play it serious, when to pull on our heartstrings, when to when to make it fun, but never silly. It never feels silly. So when you're, you know, like that must have been a rewarding process as a writer to be like, I'm going to give you all everything. All the gamuts of emotion are in this one, you know, hundred page script. Um, absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, I I try not to think about it too much. You know, just let it the story do its own thing. Um, but it's the most fun I've ever had writing anything uh, was writing this because again as, as I think I said earlier um, if if I had a, an idea that just made me laugh or made me giggle and or just think it, this is wrong I can't do this that then it went in um, uh, so that happened a lot but yeah I mean I, I I like the kind of serious moments as well and and kind of seeing characters go through you know difficult stuff um if it was all surface it, it kind of just wouldn't work as a story um so so yeah i mean exploring the points at which each character kind of finds their courage and kind of switches switches around 
um, because every character is afraid in some way. Every character is resistant to what's happening. Um, and they all have to find their own courage, but they all have to do it in slightly different ways. Um, so yeah, it's it's really fun. And um, but I mean the thing the thing I probably had the most fun um was uh managing to put in puns, basically. Um because <laughs> uh, I think, I think one, my, my favorite sorry. I think I know the one that you're about to mention. <laughs> so the one I suspect Gavin is thinking of. Um, the one um, that really that I, I really did make me giggle when I wrote it was um, uh, where um, Clement Attlee, who is the uh, deputy prime minister, says says to Churchill, "You know, it's over. We're we're, we're done for." And Churchill turns to Attlee and says, "Courage, Attlee. I still believe in Santa Claus." Amazing! I <laughs> yeah. loved it. And I just giggled. That's not the so one I was thinking of. Wrote. Oh, what was the one you were? <laughs> That's thinking not the one you thinking. Go on, go on. Well, there's there's a there's a German officer called Wilhelm. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's a, it's a slight spoiler. There's a scene where he falls out of a window and screams. <laughs> and and almost nobody realizes what that's actually about. It's, it's like yeah. they're, they're just reading the comic, but it's like we just put the Wilhelm scream in a comic. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, I love the bit where he's uh, Santa's confronting Hitler, and uh, he's like, "You better stop all this. You better, you know, I'm not going to ask twice." Which mm. was uh, one of my favorites. Like checking it twice, he's not going to ask twice. Yeah, and he's like he's like cracking it, <laughs> cracking his knuckles. He's like, "Come on, uh, that was one of my favorites." Yeah, it was. It really, it really is. You guys, I mean, I'm thrilled that I, I I'm embarrassed that it's taken me ten years to get around to it. Um, I'm thrilled that I've read it and I'm, I'm obviously I want everybody. So this is the first show of mine of the new year. So I'm starting 2023 with Santa Claus versus the Nazis. And I hope everybody clicks the link in the show notes to Goodreads mm. and you buy it. It's on Hoopla Digital, the unofficial sponsor of, of Indie Comics Spotlight. Um, so you can get it there. I love Hoopla Digital because, you know, it um, they, they pay creators. I don't know how much. I don't know when you guys get your back end on that, but uh, Hoopla Digital does it's one of the better lo uh, library lending services for every checkout. You know, it, they pay per checkout as opposed to like other ones where they just pay a bulk rate. So I'll put a link to that in there too, if people want to get it. But um, I, you guys should just be so proud of this. I love it. It's, it is an excellent book, but you walk a line that is hard to walk and um, just, it's amazing. I really enjoyed it. I should also say um, you can you can get a print edition uh, on Amazon, um, and David Lloyd will kill me if I don't say this. I was going <laughs> to say it anyway, David. I promise you. Uh, but basically, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, AcesWeekly.co.uk um, is the weekly um, uh, online anthology that David Lloyd runs, and every issue is on there permanently. That you know they don't go out of print, mm. um, and. Uh, Santa Claus versus the Nazis ran from in issues two, three, six, and seven, and they're still available there now. And if you buy volume two, which is about seven dollars, I think, um, you'll get the first quarter of Santa Claus versus the Nazis, but you'll also get about two hundred pages of other comics, and they're all really good. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of the people who were in there, this this was published about ten years ago, but a lot of the people who who were in there are now quite well known. Um, so yeah, it's well worth checking that out as well. 
I will definitely put the link to Aces Weekly in there yeah. for sure. And I love the introduction to the version I have. He wrote the introduction. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he he points out that he almost didn't publish it. Yeah. Uh, because the idea was so outrageous. He was like, yeah, and he and he went to ask one of his uh, German mates uh, just basically to say, is this going to cause offense in Germany? And it was like, nah, they'll love it. Uh, the only people that piss off are actual Nazis. Yeah. And we want to <laughs> piss them off. Right. Yeah, yeah so exactly. So that's yeah, that's a win. Yeah, I, right. I feel like it's okay if the only people you're pissing off are actual Nazis. It's a yes. Yeah. I mean, the message of the book, I would say that the, the the kind of central premise of the book is that when it comes to actual nationalism, actual Nazism, there's no such thing as neutrality, because um, Nazism will either destroy you or consume you. It is one or the other. There isn't. You can't be apart from it. Um, and I think people, when they see the title and then read the book, are kind of surprised that there is an actual message in it. That it's not just a silly punch up. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's it's. Um, I mean, I'm I'm really proud of the book. I'm really proud of what we've managed to achieve. Um, and it's it's really interesting just watching people's reactions and seeing people's reactions, like at conventions. Uh, when I have the book on sale, um, people will walk along the aisle or whatever and see it and just stop dead and just stare and point and laugh. And then some of them will walk up and take a photograph of the book and then walk away, which, to be honest, I find a little bit rude. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I'm looking at you now. <laughs> um, I did, I yeah, did do that. that. I did do that. Um, <laughs> I, I had bought... I had... You Not already had got it copy. on Aces Weekly. Yeah, yeah. I'd also, yeah. I had also got it digitally. So, fair enough, fair enough. you know, but um, I will next next time I see you, if I'm at another convention, you're there. I will buy a physical copy yeah, yeah, and nice. read it um, yet again. Promise. <laughs> but then he'll yeah, sign yeah, it, it too. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. There we go. It does. It does. It does surprise people that mm. um, there's an actual story in it. Um, and one person said to me, "The thing about the book is that it's actually it's pretending to be something that it isn't." Um, which I find quite interesting. Um, Gavin, do you remember um, that Goodreads um, review that we received? Do you remember that? No. Oh, okay. No. Um, it was the, one of the best reviews we ever received because it was basically from um, someone who, uh, yeah, well, used the terms social justice warrior uh, and you know these kinds of this kind of terminology and basically described it as. Um, a, uh, a social justice warrior diatribe full of unrealistic kick-ass women uh, and um, uh, ins inserting, um, uh, you know, black characters for the sake of it in order to be woke and progressive and oh. all this sort of stuff. But what uh, it was wonderful, it was one of the best reviews I've ever received because it, it was, you know, he was attacking it for its politics, but at the same time, kept saying yeah but i couldn't stop reading it and actually i, I quite enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so if you look I'm for this book on uh on if you look for santa claus versus the nazis on goodreads there'll be a link the in the show notes, for sure uh, yeah, yeah I'll, put it in the show notes because i always link to goodreads but i'll link to that review i will find it it's, and it's genuinely one of the best reviews i've ever received okay <laughs> i tweeted it your so favorite one star wonderful. review of all time one of my favorite <laughs> things it sounds very conflicted i will yeah, say yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know what but what you did what you guys did though by making such an amazing book that's beautifully drawn and and smart is that even some tool was like i couldn't stop reading it it's so good um mm -hmm. and so maybe somewhere 
that idiot's like, oh, maybe they had a point because um, maybe they'll listen to this and be like, oh, remember that time I shit all over this book? I'm wrong. So he can add an addendum. But that's awesome. I love that you read it. Um, that's a nerve wracking thing is my first book, my first novel's coming out this year. And I was like, do I want to read any of those reviews? I feel like I don't, but you're making me feel like maybe I'm going to want to. You, you, you just, kind of have to take the uh, uh, opinions of like assholes and someone's going to hate it. And sure. that's okay. yeah, that's okay. You know? oh. It's totally okay. If people hate the book, it's, yeah. it, you know, that's, that's all right. So. Gavin just found the review. It's like, it's like, it's like 15 paragraphs long. <laughs> that's amazing i can't wait all right well, i'm gonna i'm gonna read it straight two after stars this. though no. how many <laughs> two stars he gave it two okay that's amazing yeah. my favorite thing on goodreads is when people are like it sucked here and this was bad and i hated this four stars and like do you <laughs> like you wrote a one star review but then you get like I, it's, I love goodreads i'm on there all the time but it's also like hmm mm. uh, well this was a delight gentlemen um let us Dan, you give mm. your pitches first, and then we'll let our guests pitch themselves as we end this fantastic Ooh. show. So tell everybody, okay. Dan, thank you for making this happen, Dan. This was all you. Today oh. exists because of Spider Dan. So oh. people should should spread their love by listening to your show and finding out more about Absolutely. you. How would they do that? Well, they would go to spiderdanandthesecretballs.com. That's B-O-R-E-S. I mostly look at cult films and comic books. Uh, I don't cover a lot of the kind of mainstream popular stuff. I want to support the kind of indie creators and things if I can, where I can. Um, but yeah, it's just something a little bit off the wall. If you like it, if you want like a walk on the weird side, come and check my podcast out. It's very, it's very diverse. There's lots of different topics. There's, you know, period dramas. There's, you know, Jaws 4. Jaws, Jaws the Revenge, you yeah. name it. Um, that Maniac just happened, Cops. you guys. It's true. Yeah, that, that's, that, my yeah. that's my latest one. That's the, the last one for this year. But yeah, loads of different weird and wacky stuff. So uh, sci-fi, you name it. We've got everything that you could possibly like. Even a weird sex scenes podcast. Who knew? Who knew there were so many? Uh, but yeah, go and check it out if you if you want to look at some really odd shit uh, with some really unique people. Tony's on there. He talks about um, Night of the Comet and Hudson Hawk and tries to actively defend them. And I defended uh, yeah. the shit out of them. I love both of those. You did, did a great yes. job. Yeah, did a great job. So yeah. yeah, go check that out. My pitch for uh, Santa Claus versus the Nazis. Um, if you're a Nazi, don't read it. If you're everybody else, do. That is exactly right. Ah, oh, beautifully, beautifully said. Gavin, what, do you, what are your new projects? What do you got going on? How can people find about you on the internet? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Bob Goblin. That's B-O-B-G-O-B-L-Y-N-N. Um, current projects, I've not long released or kickstarted a my own comic that I wrote and drew myself, also co-created with Jim Banfield. It's uh, Spatchcock, The Final Curtain. It's about a, a retired carpet salesman turned private detective who auditions for a amateur dramatics play and ends up stumbling into a murder mystery. I need that in my life. It's, it's absolutely so if you like, If you like Knives Out, uh, Knives Out and kind of British whimsical humour, then that'll be your bag. I need everything and... about that. I need that right now. <laughs> You can you can get that amongst other little bits I've done on Etsy. That is we are happy clam. <laughs> dot 
www.etsy.com i'm not really sure how their urls work but yeah go on go on etsy and look up we are happy clam amazing or cute cute clam and then and then a sum up for 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 the book um oh god ben ben does all the pitching um (laughs) that's okay (laughs) well ben always said uh it does what it says on the tin so yeah. that's what I'm gonna. So it's Santa Claus versus the Nazis. That's nice. what it says on the tip. That is what it, it is exactly what it is, which is what I love about it. Well, thank Gavin. I'm gonna totally get that book. I, it's I missed the Kickstarter, but I can get it at your Etsy. Is what you're saying? Yes, yes, you can. Okay, Absolutely. I'm gonna get that as soon as we're done. I'll be buying that today. You ship to America? Oh, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes. Okay, okay sold. All right, I'll put in ben. some goodies. Um. So um, the most recent thing that came out uh, from me uh, was book one in a series uh, uh, from Paper Cuts, and that's called The Queen's Favourite Witch. And it's a children's adventure story uh, about a girl who auditions for the role of royal witch in the court of Queen Elizabeth I. Um, And that's illustrated by an artist called Rachel Smith, who is uh, very much an up and coming, very much a kind of rising star, uh, certainly in the UK comic scene, and is kind of becoming more quite internationally well known now. Um, We've just finished book two, um so that will be going to press in february i think i'm not entirely sure when it's coming out uh we are definitely doing three books and we want to do more um but yeah so that's the ongoing adventures of a a girl who auditions for who who basically becomes the royal witch in court of queen elizabeth first um and um yeah the another book that i wrote andrew myself uh is called a new jerusalem and that came out a few years ago now but it's still available um, and that is a, a very kind of, um, a very, it's a kind of social realist drama, um, very different to all of this stuff, uh, mm. about a boy whose uh, father comes home from the Second World War, uh, basically traumatised, and this is at a time when trauma was not understood, um, and it's about their relationship, and also it's about what life immediately after the Second World War in the UK was like, Um and so yeah so that's entirely by myself uh you can get both of those uh the usual places uh you know they're available um generally uh from bookshops and so on um my website is bendixon.co.uk i should say i write as benjamin dixon um even though everyone knows me as ben uh so yeah so if you search benjamin dixon uh, d-i-c-k-s-o-n you, you should be able to find me uh but yeah my website is bendixon.co.uk nice well everybody well, i'll put all those in there so you'll click on those notes people you're gonna buy that stuff um <laughs> i'm excited about that um thank you guys i i listen this was a delight i love talking art with artists and um i I, I, my the thing I like best about being an English teacher is when my I make my students read something or have a thought and they're like, oh, I didn't, I would never have read that or I wouldn't have ever thought that thing. Um, I don't tell them what to think, I ask them to think. And so your art is definitely worthy of a big think and um, I appreciate it. I can't wait to f- figure out a way to, to make my students read it someday. Tony, yes. that's my favorite <laughs> thing about being an English teacher as well. You're an English teacher too? I'm, nice. I'm actually, uh, I'm an English language teacher. Nice literature, but yeah, yeah, I do. Right, I teach writing, um, mm. humanities. I do get to throw some because I teach um, liberal arts studies courses and HUM courses. I get to throw everything at the wall. So it is, it is the best, right? When your students yeah. like, oh, I thought something new today. You're like, hooray! Yes. That's all I really cared is that you. I don't care if we agree, <laughs> just that you had a thought. 
Um, maybe, well, they, maybe being a Nazi is wrong. Being a Nazi is wrong. <laughs> if they walk away knowing that, yes. Well, this was fantastic. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to you all. ARFarina.com is my website, everybody. Um, I've got a book coming out in May. Hooray, that's exciting. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Go there. Um, thank you guys all for this. And um, see everybody next time. Thank you guys. Thank, thank you. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Fuck you, I won't.